Imagine if you were to lose an arm or a leg tomorrow, chances are your whole world would be flipped upside down. And now it would probably take some time for you to get used to living with such a drastic change. But not so with dogs. They don't just learn to live with it. They can adapt quickly and they can thrive with such a disability. And that is just another reason on the very, very, very long list of reasons why dogs are so incredible. Hello, I'm James Jacobson and welcome to The Long Leash. In today's episode, I'm speaking to someone who is just as amazing as our beloved companions. Her name is Nicole Kincaid. Nicole, who has been in the pet rescue business for over 10 years, founded and runs the Perfectly Imperfect Pups Rescue, PIP for short, P-I-P, which specializes in dogs that have disabilities. Whether a dog is missing a leg or deaf or blind or all of the above, Nicole and her team give the dog the love and care that it needs, and then hopefully deliver it into the arms of a foster or adopted family who know just how perfect that pup really is. Nicole Kincaid, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us, me. I would, well, all of you, because Uh, I want to start with the all of you, because I think I want to begin this by asking a little bit about Kina and Mr. Magoo? Yeah, so uh, Kina and Mr. Magoo were my two first uh, special needs dogs. I was fostering with another uh, rescue, and they said, hey, are you interested in taking a little puppy that needs her leg amputated? And I was like, sure, why not? And soon after, they were like, hey, we just got a blind dog. Are you interested? And I was like, sure, why not? And that started my journey down special needs. And Kina, what kind of dogs are they? They're German Shepherds. They're both German Shepherds. Okay. Yes. So tell me about that process. Because so it sounds like you had been fostering for a while. Mm-hmm. Other dogs. Nor- yes. Quote, unquote, normal, non-special <laughs> needs. Although any dog that is being fostered has a special need. And I'm sure yes. we'll get into that. But you were fostering four-legged dogs and dogs that could see. And when when this opportunity came along to foster a dog that was about to become a tripod, I'm assuming it had cancer or what was the reason? It, she was an eight-week-old puppy and she came oh. from a backyard breeder. And mm. at that breeder, they stacked the cages. And so she, her leg fell through and broke and they didn't do anything mm. about it. And so this then was, dropped... This was Kina. Kina, and then dropped her off at a high kill shelter. And so that's how I got her. Okay. So walk me through that conversation when someone says, we have this dog that is special needs. You know, it's so funny because she was my first special needs dog, but I didn't even hesitate. There was no like, gee, what does this look like? Or can I do this? It was like, yep. Okay. Yep. We're doing this. And I did it. And, um, you know, During her first little bit, we kept her leg for as long as we possibly could because we wanted her to get her growth plates strong and we wanted her to be at a good point for surgery. And I I will say that post-surgery, I was probably one of those people that was like, oh my God, she's bleeding. Oh my gosh, she's doing this. Oh my gosh, she's doing this. Is this normal? Is this normal? And now it's so funny because I get a a dog that needs their leg removed. I'm like, eh, 
it's fine. A little bit of blood, it's fine. Like so much, I've grown so much in taking on these these different cases. And that growth has occurred over a period of how long? She's eight. Eight years. Okay. Eight years. So, so you've seen a lot of amputations and you've seen a lot of medical conditions that I suspect you didn't even know existed when you began <laughs> this. That is very true. Very true. So many different diseases. And even now, like... I hear a new one and I'm like, I deep dive into them. I do as much research as I can to learn everything I can about that disease or that condition so that I'm set and then I can set up my fosters to success and then eventually send up, set up my adopters to success, succeed. You are what we at Dog Podcast Network affectionately call a dog health nerd. <laughs> yes, I am. It's so funny because uh, my friends call me for medical advice on their pets yes. before they call their vets. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a vet, mm. but... <laughs> but I have spent a lot of time with Dr. Google. Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> Which you have to sometimes be a little trepidatious about. Oh. So what are some of the interesting diseases, if they're, if that's the right word, that uh, that you've helped to foster through PIP? So um, one of the um, main ones that there's actually not a lot of foster homes that are willing to take this type of dog is a condition called megaesophagus. Now tell our listeners about that because that is a pretty it's interesting a bit, one. It's a big word too. Um, short, we call it mega E for short, but um, basically it's where the esophagus um, doesn't have the muscles to pull down the food correctly. And so um, it sits in like a sag in the esophagus, the food does, and it never travels to the stomach. And so they'll regurgitate it right back up. And a lot of times with that, they, it will cause aspiration pneumonia because it'll go right back into the lungs. And so you sit the dogs in a special high chair and that basically helps gravity pull that food to down to the stomach. Um, there's also a there's million a name different- for There's a name for that chair, right? There's a, a Bailey's chair. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and then I presume named after a dog named Bailey. We don't know, uh, but yeah, it's an I'm interesting. We, we'll put a link in the show notes to a Bailey's chair because it's kind of interesting. And so that's kind of one of the 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 focuses that you have, okay, that you have uh, within your organization are these mega esophagus dogs, or just it just turns out to be something that people know. Oh, Nicole can help. Yes, that's exactly what happens is that people tag me or shelters contact me because they know I have the experience with it. Now, you're in Wake Forest, North Carolina, but you're helping dogs not just in North Carolina. Correct. We've taken from Texas, Alabama. Um, we took one from Armenia. Um, so all over the United States, Florida, my most recent two were from South Florida. So we get them from all over the place. Let's talk about this evolution of a PIP, which, which by the way, is perfectly imperfect pups. Did you come up with that? Yes. I love it. I think it's, Thank and you. I imagine that's something that has resonated with people as they start discovering your organization, the name. I think so. Yeah. It started with my hashtag. Um, before I started PIPs, I had a hashtag for all of my special needs dogs. Um, Imperfection is perfection. And that was all my social media hashtags. So when I started PIPs, I knew that 
those words needed to be in there in some way, shape or form. And so we started playing with, I had a seven hour planning meeting with a girlfriend and we started playing with just how can we make that name happen? And PIPS is what we ended up coming up with. So your organization started last fall, September, October area? Yep. Right in that area, yes. Of 2020, because there was nothing else going on in 2020, right? Nothing Perfect at all. Time. Why not start a business in the middle of a pandemic? And what was that journey? What is that journey like? And how is it? And how's it going? It was scary. It was really scary because for the past 10, 12 years, all of the fosters that I took in somebody else had to pay the bills, right? The founder to that rescue paid those bills. The, um, you know, they worried about the money in the end and if we were getting enough um, donations and adoption fees and all of that. And so it was a really scary thing to jump into that and decide that that's what we were going to do. And then on top of it, know that a lot of our dogs are going to cost more than the average puppy or adult that is not disabled, um, surgeries and wheelchairs and Bailey's chairs and just longer in the foster home while we found that perfect home for these dogs. So it was a little bit scary, but um, I have a group of people that I lovingly call the pioneers and they helped um, kind of build up PIPs and design PIPs to what it is today. And they're all volunteers with me and they make this happen. How did you recruit the volunteers? I've worked pioneers. with them, the pioneers. Yeah, I've worked with them in rescue in the past um, few years. And when I left my previous rescue, um, they kind of came with me and said, let's do this. I, I came to them and I said, I have this great idea. This is kind of what I think I want to do. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're behind you 100%. What can we do? How can we make this happen? And together we made it happen. How do you afford this? As you say, it costs a lot more to take care of these types of dogs than uh, quote unquote normal dog. Yeah. Well, I'm taking applications for a sugar daddy. So if there's any out there, just, you know, okay. feel free to hit me up. Um, <laughs> so our rescue relies solely on donations and adoption fees. So an adoption fee covers the basic cost of a healthy dog. And we do not raise our adoption fees when we take in special needs. So it's the same price. But a lot of our special needs cost a lot more. So we rely solely on donations. So the, the let's talk about the financial gap there. So yeah. an adoption fee is three twenty-five for adults and three seventy-five for puppies. Okay. And then the average cost to take care of one of your special needs dogs is Well, for instance, today I have a dog that was hit by a car, puppy, four month old puppy. Uh, hit by a car four times. Four times. It once wasn't enough. They just went back and forth. Exactly. Or four different on four separate occasions, or at um, one time. One time, four different cars hit this puppy, and oh it has gosh. some pretty nasty breaks on its leg. And our surgery will cost about thirty five hundred dollars. Okay. And so, what's this dog's name? Uh, this dog's name is um, Nitro. Okay, so. Nitro is going to require almost $3,500 in surgery. Mm -hmm. And eventually you're hoping that Nitro will be adopted for $350 or something. So where are you make up, how do you go about making up that gap? You say donations, but what, what are the mechanics of doing that? And how do you get the word out? 
So social media is huge. Unfortunately, um, after the pandemic, people don't like social media anymore. It came very political. <laughs> and it, it did. Um, yeah, it didn't happen so, here. I didn't. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and people got sick of it. They were on their phone 23 hours a day doing absolutely nothing but scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. And so we don't unfortunately have the followers that we would have had before that. So we do really beg for money when um, we um, get these kind of cases. So we'll put up a fundraiser on Facebook, on Instagram. We'll ask for money. Um Sometimes we get the full amount of surgery and sometimes we don't. Um, and sometimes we get over what we ask and that little bit of extra will go towards the next dog and so on and so forth. But um, as of just a little bit ago, we had um, $300 raised of our $3,000. So there's a gap there. And, um, you know, I think that's a misconception with a lot of people when they think about rescues, oh, they have the money, they're funded by the state, they're funded by this, they're funded by that, and we're not. We only rely on those donations. The impact of the elections and the impact of all that stuff on social media and how it's impacted your ability to raise funds, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Absolutely. Um, so and this is not just with my rescue, we're seeing this across the board with other rescues and shelters. Um, the hits on our posts during the pandemic and before the pandemic are quadruple the hits that we're getting now. And the, the stories haven't changed. Dog hit by car, dog left outside shelter, megasophagus adorable puppy. Like these stories have not changed. The way we're presenting them have not changed. But our hits on our social media, our engagements on our social media, the funds that we raise have all gone significantly down um, since COVID has started to, since things started to open up again. Um, and I think there, there, it's, it's a little bit of everything. Um, it's the, you know, people got sick of seeing um, their politics on their social media, which I get. Um, and kind of stopped. Um, people are vacationing. Um, they're not thinking about um, giving $5 to, you know, nitro surgery fund. They're thinking about that Mai Tai they're going to have on the beach, which I, I kind of don't blame them. I'm ready for a Mai Tai on the beach. Um, and uh, they're, they're not on social media as much because they are just social media out. And that does have a trickle effect on Things like, you know, the rescues that rely on these people. There's no other way for me to get my word out unless I cold emailed or cold called people and say, hey, I have a puppy that needs $3,000 surgery. Can you give me $5? Um, so it's, we rely on social media to get that word out. Do you think this is a function of something that the social media companies did or that the people who uh, previously had been on social media that were contributing to PIPs are no longer on those platforms? I think it's a, a mix of both. So Facebook changes their algorithm every other day. And I would like to have a talk with Mark Zuckerberg about this. So again- He's in the next room. Let me call him in. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Um, it's, a, it's a mix of both. People aren't seeing our posts as much as they were because that algorithm changes all the time. 
and they want us to pay for paid posts and all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't, but it is, um, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think people are not on social media. I know plenty of people who have gotten rid of their Facebook accounts because they're sick of it or at least, you know, walked away from it. Um, so I think it's a little bit of everything. And you're in North Carolina is one of those kind of red states with a bit of blue pieces to it. So I can see where that might, because I think a lot of people who are left Facebook were, 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 were um, red mm-hmm. supporters. Is that, mm-hmm. is that fair? I think that's very I mean, We won't turn too political, but I think it's, I think it's an interesting thing that I had never heard. And it's an observation that is impacting your ability to help these dogs in need. So yes. how do you pivot? How do you adjust? How do you reach people other than going on podcasts like this? <laughs> um, it, it, this is really how we do it. So um, we get um, we send out press releases quite a bit to our local media because when we get on those, we get the you know kind of extra kick in our stories. Um, you know, I do a lot of dodo stories. Um, I've done three, four dodo stories. Um, and they're fabulous for getting people back to our social media. Um, I do a lot of TikToks. TikTok is it right now. And that does not, um, when I do it, when I get a viral TikTok, it does not go back to Facebook, but we do get a lot more hits on our Instagram. And does that result in, uh, donations or are you able to tell? Um, it is not always directly donations, but we get more followers and those followers share and those followers sometimes donate when those, when these types of cases hit. So the more followers we have, the more, um, you know, rate of succession we have when we do these kind of fundraisers. Um, we also do, um, we did in, when we first started, we did, um, some sponsorships, some larger companies sponsoring, and that did help a little bit. That gave us some money in the beginning and we're going to change up the way that we do our sponsorships in the upcoming year. Um, and that does help a little bit reaching out to these businesses. We do a lot of fundraisers. Um, we do a lot of our adoption events at breweries and bottle shops and wine shops, and we get a percentage back from the, um, bar sales. Um, so we do get by with some stuff like that and that does help a lot, but that does not you know, I don't make. It's not going to get thirty five hundred dollars surgery for for nitro. That's a lot of beers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we might be able to put away that many beers, but probably not in one two hour adoption event. <laughs> <laughs> not until not until college is back in full session. Exactly. I'm keen to hear some more about Nicole's experiences with the dodo. So after we take a quick break, how she got involved and some of the memorable segments she's done. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. 
It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not. Not really. But it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. We are back with Nicole Kincaid. Dodo, let's talk about the dodo. So for our listeners who are not familiar with the dodo, what is the dodo? It's an online experience that tells stories about animals and the lives and the trials and tributes and sometimes laughter that they go through. And you have been profiled three times or had three different three different videos dodo videos done which tend to often go viral how did you first get connected with the the producers at dodo um i reached out to them um about a story about the within the last rescue that i was with and um started working with the producer and so i just reach out to him anytime i have an interesting story and um you know, he either connects me with a producer that's running that would be good for this story. Sometimes he does the story. Um, and sometimes he says, nope, it's not going to work for our listeners. And we just move on. So um, it's nice to have that connection. Um, and it's nice to work with them. They really do a lot for smaller rescues like myself. And are they local to you? No, they're actually based in New York. But they have... Um, camera they they hire camera people from all over the united states and so they'll use a mix of clips that i provide them and then depending on what it what we're doing they usually send down a camera person for a day of filming so the top video which we will post a link to that you did with the dodo tell us about that so I think the one that, I don't know, there's there's two that we've done recently that got a lot of hits. One was with a dog named Tony, who was hit by a car. Um, we do a lot of dogs that have been hit by a car. And Tony was one of those dogs that when you met him, your whole world brightened up. Like he was that kind of dog. And so he just kind of resonated with our um, followers. And so when I reached out to Matt with the Dodo, I was like, I got a story for you. And I sent him the clips and he was like, this dog is magical. And I was like, I know. So we did a whole story on him and his foster ended up foster failing him and adopting him. So it was a great little uh, plot twist. Um, So we did that story with them. And then one that went hugely viral and they actually ran twice was we took in um, three sisters. We um, named them the Charm Sisters, Phoebe, Piper, and Prue, I think it was. And um, they were left at the shelter's um, gate. Two of them were tied to their gate pole and one was left in a chewy box 
and they had mange so badly. The one left in the chewy box, we actually didn't think was going to survive. And a vet actually um, recommended to the shelter to euthanize this puppy. And I had already reached out to the shelter and said we would take them. And so luckily the shelter manager said, no, we got a rescue. We're not going to put her down. But she was a case. She had open sores all over her body. She was miserable, but she pulled through it. And the Dodo did a story on the three of the girls and kind of their um, whole thing and then where they were now and stuff. They've all been adopted to great homes and they're doing fantastic and their coats look amazing. Now you have a full brood. You have uh, three children and five fur babies. Six fur babies. Six. And most of them are foster fails. Is that true? Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, (laughs) uh, Five of them are foster fails and one Uh I went out and adopted. Okay. So we've already established that you're independently wealthy beyond all measure. All measures. Yes. Absolutely. In in fact, you actually have a full-time job. Yes, I do. What do you do in your day job when you're, when you're not rescuing these dogs? Yeah, I'm a training manager for an IT company that's global. Um, I run one of their training departments and, um, they're fabulous with what I do. They know that I have the rescue on the side and that this is my passion and I only work for them to pay my bills. Uh, but they're, they're really great about allowing me to have the time to do this, but I, I still do juggle a lot and I work into the evenings to get both my stuff done. Um, but it's worth it. It, it It's a hundred percent worth it because I'm the rescue portion is my passion. Like I could not imagine life without my fur babies and without rescuing dogs on a daily. What do you see for Pips? I don't know, in the coming five years. What I would like to see for Pips, um, there are very few facilities um, that has the ability to take in the special needs. Um, And I would like to see us have that facility. I would like to see a facility where when we get a call about a dog that, um, you know, has been hit by a car and needs surgery or is paralyzed or has mega esophagus, that we don't just have to think about the funds we don't have to think about where we're going to put that dog. We have a place for that dog to go. Um, and whether that dog stays there forever or eventually finds their forever home, but at least they have a space for it. Um, we have a space for that puppy. So that is, you know, the long-term goal. Will that happen in five years? It depends on if that sugar daddy gives me a call or not. (laughs) Um, but that is definitely my ultimate goal with Pips. Um, Between now and then, um, I think that what I want to get the public to understand and to, um, I'd like to see it more normalized to adopt the special needs dogs. I don't want it to see, I don't want people to go, oh, I'm so sorry that your dog is blind. Like, I just want them to go, oh, you have a blind dog. Fantastic. And how is it doing? So I want people to look past the disabilities on these dogs and normalize that to have them in their homes. Obviously there are dogs that are not going to fit people's lifestyles and that's fine, but I don't want it to be this weird thing when they bring in a special needs. 
you know, you kind of help people adopt the kind of dogs that veterinarians are, that are known as veterinarian dogs, because veterinarians tend to take these very special dogs that have all sorts of, you know, like backwards knees and, you know, both blind and deaf. Um, yeah. And that's what you have been doing. You, you must see the the best of humanity in this process. The best and the worst of humanity. Um, definitely. Um, you know, the people that adopt these special needs, absolutely the finest humans out there. My fosters who take in these dogs, the finest people out there. Um, you know, so I see that side of it, definitely. And the worst of humanity? For instance, Tony, the, the dog that I was telling you about that was hit by a car, his owner watched him get hit by a car, got back into his car, and drove away. The bystanders are the what that took him to the shelter. Do you ever get to speak with the people like that owner? No, because it, <laughs> it wouldn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> He's not your sugar daddy. No. Is that something that, that you worry about? Is that do, do you think that that worst of humanity is something that is is addressable or does it just need to be uh, uh, made better through these wonderful people who end up adopting from pips you know i think it is i think society is putting enough pressure on the people who are the bad humans for lack of a better word um to do better and so i do think that some people are trying to do better. I think that some people are, um, you know, no matter what you do, they will never do better. Um, and then for those type of people, we can only hope that, you know, we're able to get those dogs before it is too late, um, help them to understand where, what is needed to be a good dog mom or dad, um, and what that dog needs. So, I think it's I think it's a mix. I think that we just we 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 have to keep educating the public, and I think that that's the most important piece of it is to educate what these dogs need and what it is to be a good human being. Now, obviously, we are on audio. This is not a visual medium, but we are conducting this with in a video call. So I'm going to ask two things. Yeah. First of all, tell me about your T-shirt. Oh. So this is one of our main T-shirts. It's Love Is Love, um, and it's adorable. Thank Describe you. it. Um, yeah, so it is four dogs, and uh, three of them are special needs, and one is not. Um, and uh, it's it's again that whole love is love. Um, you know, every dog deserves that love and that home. And again, it it doesn't matter what disability or pip abled um, pip ability that dog has; they deserve that love. And so that's kind of where love is love. It's just the simple version of it. And then, well, you, you actually touched something in, in that cartoon on your shirt, um, which I imagine you saw, you saw that shirt on your website. We do. We do. We'll, we'll put a link there. Um, the idea of both disabled and able-bodied dogs living together, do you hear anecdotes like do they get along great or do they have problems or what happens? 
Um, you know, I have that. I have a mixed uh, pack at my house. Half of mine are special needs and half of them are not. And they get along just fine. You know, they know that Magoo is going to bump into them because he's blind and sometimes they get in his way. And, you know, it's so funny because, you know, somebody, Magoo will bump into somebody and Magoo will bark at them like, how dare you be in my way? <laughs> <laughs> it is Mr. Magoo. He yeah. is Mr. Magoo. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it's just dogs are amazing. I, I feel like that they know that another dog has some sort of disability and they accommodate that for them. Makes sense. Okay. And and the final thing I wanted to ask you visually is I understand you have a tattoo. I have many. <laughs> oh, okay. I understand uh, there's a tattoo, that one on your arm. What is this that This one. Say? It says imperfection is perfection. Um, it's the hashtag that I used. Um, I actually got this tattoo after I lost an entire litter of special needs puppies. Um, mm. And that was actually, um, for me, I actually almost walked away from doing this because it was the hardest loss that I had. Um, and um, I spent like two days at the bottom of a bottle of wine crying. And uh, then I was like, okay, it's time to heal. And because I had always used this hashtag, I was like, that just needs to be a tattoo. And that's kind of one of those weird ways that I healed. And you can just look at your arm anytime if you need a, a little fortification. Exactly. Imperfection is perfection. Well, um, Nicole Kincaid, you are perfect. I love what you guys are doing at Pips. It's awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having us for me. Why do I keep saying us? <laughs> it's, it's the royal we. It's you it's and the, the royal whole we. Pack. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is a ton of fun. It doesn't matter if a dog is perfectly imperfect or not. They all deserve love, and you don't have to run a dog rescue to do that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Long Leash, and if you haven't yet, please go back and check for the other episodes with new ones dropping every week. Already an avid Long Leash listener? Well, we have several other shows here at Dog Podcast Network for you to listen to, like Dog Edition and Dog Cancer Answers. So tune in and you can hear more shows coming from Dog Podcast Network later this summer. All of these can be found on our website at dogpodcastnetwork.com. And while you're there, let us know what you think by clicking on the little blue microphone icon at the bottom right of every page and leave us a voicemail with your thoughts and comments about the show or guests that you'd like to hear. I'd like to thank Nicole Kincaid for joining us on the show today. Most of all, though, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'm James Jacobson, and from all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Do they ever use radiation to treat transitional cell carcinoma in the bladder? Well, Heather's oncologist is recommending it, but her friends haven't ever heard of it. So is it a good recommendation? Right now on Dog Cancer Answers, Dr. Megan Duffy is talking about the use of radiation in TCC and how to speak frankly with your veterinary oncologist. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.